ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, it has been a minute. It's been an hour, a day, week, turn into months. Um, and I am very happy to be back. This is going to be episode number 41. And it's hard to believe I've taken off since April. Uh, it's the last time I posted. Um, I assure you, this podcast uh, will not go anywhere. I just had to take some time off. Uh, basically, just really realign myself, kind of rediscover what I kind of wanted to do. Um, <clears throat> this first segment uh, is going to be a little bit of uh, talking about me personally. So if you don't care to hear that, you can fast forward. That's okay. <laughs> won't hurt my feelings. Um, but basically, I was kind of burning uh, the candle on both ends with, uh, you know, streaming and then doing the podcast, scheduling people, uh, it, it really... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. We are going to be on episode number 45, and we are talking with Miss Brianna Wu. And I think this is a very interesting in-depth conversation uh, about uh, UO, uh, a little bit of um, you know game development, how it kind of shaped, you know her i think view on games and and uh systems mechanics stuff like that um you know i definitely encourage you to uh you know look her up brianna Wu, and kind of more of her story uh it's very interesting to say the least and when i found out that she played uo i was definitely shocked because uh a lot of times I have to research and see. Uh, I usually fish uh, people's comments out on social media to see if they've played UO. <laughs> and when I find out they they have, I you know then I, I definitely engage uh, them and, and see if we can chat because uh, this game has impacted you know quite a number of uh, of people. And um, I will also forewarn everyone when you listen to this at the end. I think it's the last like. 10 to 20 minutes, maybe, uh, we do get into the political realm, um, which uh, I'm very passionate about politics, So, uh, and I know she is as well, and I think it was a really cool uh, conversation because we definitely differ on a lot of issues. However, we still have mutual respect that we can sit down and find some common ground, which I think is awesome. So I'm just warning you, if you don't want to hear any of the political stuff at the end, you can just skip that. Um, but uh, it's something that I really enjoy throwing in the mix, um, you know, just because I I think, uh, you know, we should talk about our beliefs and, and uh, you know, that kind of thing in a forum that <laughs> doesn't lead to anger and yelling and craziness. Um, it is possible to have a conversation um, and Brianna is definitely uh, one of those people that you can have a, a good conversation with. Hearing about kind of her story with, uh, you know, what she's kind of been through and, you know, how she kind of played UO back in the day. It's very interesting when you peel back the layers when people played so long ago, right? And they really haven't, like I would almost guarantee that she hasn't, spoken about uo and, and kind of when she played in probably decades right it's been that long because it's just not something that commonly comes up so it's really cool just kind of peeling back the layers and you know asking people questions and you know kind of seeing them go through uh you know what they can remember it's always a really uh, good time and uh i i 
absolutely enjoyed this conversation. I uh, I truly believe 2023 uh, will be a breakout year for the podcast. Um, I'm really, I am going, you know, with very, I would say, lofty ambitions, and I'm going to do my best to bring interesting folks on this podcast, just like Brianna. Um, you know, I, I think the last couple months I've really been up in the ante on who I can get on here. And uh, that, that's really the end goal is to push this thing as far as I can. And, you know, uh, let's be honest, you know, I'm not making, <laughs> you know, there, there's no financial incentive for me to do this. It's, it's really more so the passion. Um, I, I feel like I've really gotten in the groove um, for podcasting and, you know, the feedback I always get is, is positive. So I think I'm, I'm definitely on the right track. And, you know, thank you guys very much for supporting it. Um, you know, uh, absolutely a happy new year, happy holidays to everyone. I did take a little bit of time off, um, but I really wanted to get this one out uh, for January because this is a, a great conversation. Um, so please enjoy it. Um, definitely uh, check out Brianna Wu. I'm going to give uh, her social media links uh, in the uh, notes here. Um, so a huge uh, thank you to her for giving me, you know, her time. As I get people on here, I want my audience to really understand most of the time, the most difficult thing is not the recording and the talking. That's the easiest part. It is the scheduling. So as I kind of reach these, uh, you know, other category of people, I would say time is, is very difficult to get. Um, so just understand when, when, you know, someone gives me an hour of their time, it, it's actually a big deal. Um, so, you know, hopefully you guys uh, understand that. I know a couple people behind the scenes that uh, try to help me sometimes have realized that scheduling um, is quite the bear. Um, it, it seems simple, but it not always is. And I know like Brianna and I went back and forth a few times. I had to reschedule, you know, stuff happens. Um, she was very gracious in that. So thank you. Um, but yeah, definitely enjoy this episode. We are going to have more content coming in 23. We are not stopping. And as always, uh, thank you guys very much for supporting me, the podcast and, and the vision here. And, uh, we'll talk to y'all next time. Okay. Miss Brianna, thank you very much for, uh, sitting down with me tonight. Um, I am talking about a subject I had no idea that you knew about, um, so thank you and welcome. I, it's an honor to be here. It's I never thought back in the day when I put all those thousands and thousands of hours <laughs> into Ultima Online that one day I would be sitting here in 2022 talking about it. Uh, this is this is uh, I got to tell you I get asked to do a lot of media. I was excited about this one. Well, it, it's funny you say that because I went to uh, why we had to reschedule this. By the way, there's. Um, there's this YouTuber. His name is Unspeakable. I wasn't really okay. familiar with him. Okay. But anyhow, he did an event at this place called Boulder uh, locally to me here. Basically, it's like a – think of it like a huge rock climbing indoor type of place. That sounds and, great. Yeah. Well, he was supposed to do it on Wednesday. He gave like limited amount of free tickets, but obviously we had a scheduling conflict, whatever. But the point I'm telling you this, I went there with my uh, Vosrail Poor shirt on, which had a UO thing on it. I kid you not, this I was going down one of the slides. This kid, I say kid, he had to have been, you know, I don't know. 
I would say 18 to 22 what? range. He, yeah. he goes up to me and he's like, hey, man, that, that's UO, right? I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is. But I'm like, how do you know that? Because you look kind of young. But we didn't get a chance to really you know, talk too much because we were going down this thing. But uh, it's, it's always fascinating um, who knows about UO. And anytime anyone knows about it, you're like, blown away in real life. <laughs> okay. So I've got to ask, when did you get on the UO train? Because I remember where I was. It was Mississippi. It was, God, what year did it come out? Was it 97? 97. Yeah. Okay. Seems and, like forever ago. You know, it, it actually, it doesn't to me. It feels like <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but, and, you know, they were talking about like the first MMO idea. Like people don't know this. If you're using the term MMO, Ultima came up with that, right? Yep. And, you know, so they put this thing out and um, was it on CDs, the original version of it that came out? I think it was on yes. CDs. Yes, it was, it was, this, it was yeah. revolutionary because they, I don't remember how much it was. I think they charged $5 for the beta CD yes. or something like that. I remember that. And you've got to understand, we all knew we were getting on the ground floor of something that was going to be really big. And this was yeah. the first version of the game that they've deprecated, the 2D version of it. But you have no idea what an experience it was like if you didn't live through that area. Because PvP, we had not figured that out. Right. Banks, we had not figured that out. Scavenging the landscape of all resources, we had not figured that out. And the first generation of people like us, we were really figuring out how you would do an MMO. Yeah. And it was groundbreaking. What now, do you remember hearing about it? You know, when did you get introduced to it? How did you even hear about UO? Well, I mean, I was an Ultima mega fan, you know. Okay. I got into computers. I will never forget this. It's Sam's Club because I grew up in Mississippi. So <laughs> yeah. Sam's Club had a sale on this game called Ultima Six. Okay. And my mom, like, it's got this blonde dude on the cover, and my mom bought it for me, and she literally had to buy a second computer for accounting because I would not give her <laughs> her computer back because wow. I was so obsessed with that game. Now, do you remember what kind of computer you had? Just you know. Yeah. Oh, it was a 486 back in the day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And you, we probably had the real mechanical keyboard, right? Yes, of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Well, were there any non-mechanical yeah. keyboards in that era? I know. I was like, it's gone full circle. We went from like mechanical, now we're back to mechanical. That's all the yes. rage, right? Um, 100%. But okay, so you, so you hear about... Um, UO because you played the you know the other you know the older like, series from it. U U six U seven U seven right. Silver Seed, uh, Ultimate Eight, which was terrible. I yeah. don't think Pagan <laughs> had come out by that time. No, right? um, I don't think so. So yeah, so this was right after Ultimate Eight was, which was a disappointment, and we're all going, "What's next?" Right. And I believe the reason U nine failed is because Ultimate Online just sucked all the oxygen out of the room completely. Yeah, I going back as I've interviewed different people at various levels, it, it blows my mind how it was a working product because like there was just so many things behind the scenes going on and, and mechanics and I'm like, how did they even get this thing to, to work? Because it's uh, right. ambitious. Now, did you have a concept when you heard about the game? You know, did you have a concept of what it was going to be? What were you thinking? Well, 
I mostly wanted to connect with people that would care about Ultima the, the same way I did. Because yeah. you've got to understand I'm a kid in Mississippi. So I can't go, and the the, the guardian came. <laughs> I am the avatar with the eight virtues. Right. Like, yeah. You know, there's no one to talk to about this stuff that you love. Yeah. And I just wanted to connect to a community. And fortunately, what I found was a hellscape of, mm-hmm. of player versus player and just like, you walk out of town, you're dead. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I Well, it's, it's really interesting. You said PVP. So we're going to get into that because that's a very interesting topic. Um, do you do you remember, are you on dial-up back then? or yeah. were you, You're on dial-up. Okay. Yeah. And what was your first shard that you played? Do you remember? Oh, God. It's been way too long. I apologize. No, that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Weren't they, weren't they named after – how like, were they named? It was like Atlantic, uh, Sonoma, based on like the region. Like Atlantic was East Coast. Are you, you know. sure? I thought there was some sub-shard named after Ultima 2. And I Maybe. wanted to join that because, uh, you know, I had a female antagonist in that one. Uh, well, there was like a Siege Perilous that was like an ultra hardcore yeah, version. That wasn't me. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I didn't. I never <laughs> played that, that good. Yeah. either. Um, but yeah, ba- basically it was like that. And when you do you remember your first character name? Yeah, Minuet. And, and what, what did that mean? Like, how did you come up with that? It's just a, it was a musical term. I uh, play keyboard and, okay. uh, you know, Minuet was, was my character. What was ironic is all the years later with the very first uh, video game, I, sh- I um, the very first video game I shipped, um, one of the characters in that game, Revolution 60, was based on my Ultima Online Wow. Character. See, look at that. <laughs> that all, I played yeah. so many years ago. I know. I, and I, every person that comes on here usually tells me, like, the, the hardest part of UO is usually typing in the character name. Because it means so much, like in the yep. world, hundred percent. And do do you remember when once you get into this world, like what did you want to do? Did you you know have any goals or anything like that? Well, I was really interested in the idea of um, of non combat oriented gameplay. So, okay. uh, like, just to give your listeners some perspective, this is very solidly into the PlayStation era. Right? Yeah. So we've gone NES, SNES, you know, PlayStation. And look, I've played a million of these games, but uh, primarily speaking, the main way you interact with the world is through violence. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true from Super Mario to to whatever. What I found really interesting and appealing about Ultima was um, leveling up your miner and refining gold. And that Mm. being the gameplay about it. Um, so, you know, it was, it was the world, but it was also like thinking about different mechanics and gameplay other than just violence, if that makes sense to you. That's what seemed really, um, innovative. Yeah. Well, I think it was the, like, choose your own adventure piece of this game that I, you know, I call it chasing the dragon quite literally. I've never had an experience like Ultima where, yeah, you could be a minor you know that's a blacksmith too you could be you know just a pk it was crazy how many different ways you could just be involved in the world and actually feel like you were making a difference right now uh walk me through i mean did you uh your minor kind of like you know gameplay did you like get gm mining and you kind of started selling stuff yeah 
Oh, quite so. Quite so. You know, I was a part of a guild. It was called Old Dirty Bastards <laughs> Guild on whatever my, my, my shard was. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Old Drunk Bastards, you know. Um, yeah, I was I was in my I was still a teenager back then. But I was like, these are the people that will explain to me how to play the game. Right. Um, you got to understand, like you would sit out in a field doing things like okay, let me click the button and evaluate intelligence for an hour here. Right, yeah. <laughs> because it's going to build up the secondary stat. Mm -hmm. And there just wasn't, in the same way, um, communities or game FAQs to explain these minute details to you. Right. You were really counting on a guild to kind of put together the pieces of, of the puzzle. Along yeah, when I, I started a little bit later than the launch, I, I remember, I think I was in... I was T2A or I don't remember what exactly it was, but I remember having the small little book <laughs> that came with the game. And that was like my, you know, encyclopedia. And it, that didn't even have much. It, it had like the basics. But yeah, I had no idea min-max templates or, you know, what how you should be. I had no clue, but it was so wild. And I remember making like an animal tamer. And I think, I don't even know if I got to GM, but just walking in the wilderness, taming stuff. And like, just, yeah. I don't know, the sense of like exploration and adventure was second to none. And what did it for me, cause you brought up kind of community was the way when you chat, how the text appears above the head. Yes. It seems so stupid and so simple, but you know, it, it makes a huge difference. What's your kind of take on that? No, I think that's, that's, that's exactly right. It was, it was very intuitive. At the same time, I think one of the reasons World of Warcraft caught on so hard and just devastated the Ultima Online community mm -hmm. is they thought, like, how can I put this? Um, they had really thought a lot more about how can I make every second you're playing this game meaningful. Yeah. So for, for Warcraft, you could go and say, okay, I'm going to go do a mission and I'm going to put in an hour. And then at the end of the hour, you're going to either level or get some gear or move along in a storyline. There was a lot less of that, you know, uh, I'm going to sit in a field and like tame animals right. or evaluate intelligence for a long time. They'd really figured out the treadmill and how to, hit that dopamine button at the right. end of it. Yeah. At the same time, I think the reason I never got into World World of Warcraft is it felt like such um the world felt like less like it was a static place. Right. That I could go explore. World of Warcraft always felt like I was going through a gauntlet. And I yes. think that's Ultima Online's really great um uh creation. Well and I think any time you hit a loading screen, yes. <laughs> it like so you broke me in the fact that like I try to play any of the MMO and if I see a loading screen somewhere, I'm like, I feel yeah. like immersion's broken, right? I'm like, ah, yes. this is meaning like I played a lot of EverQuest too, and it was like you go to someone's house and it's a loading screen, and then it's like you're in this other instance zone, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't feel the same. I'm like, it just doesn't feel. I don't know. I I didn't enjoy it to say to say the least that aspect of it because. UO, I mean, I don't know if, do you remember your first like house that you like had or whatever? Of course I do. I can picture it in my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. Explain some of that. Like, you know, the house and all that kind of deal. 
wasn't huge. I mean, I wasn't great at the game. Right. I, wanna, I don't think anyone was. Yeah. Really clear. A lot of people are yeah. better than me, but you know, it's this little house in my guild. It took yeah. me forever to get it, and I I really treasured it. I mean, I would go to work all day. I was um, working uh, in politics in D.C. at the time. Yeah. And come back at night and and spend all evening doing that when I should have been out networking with people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it's it's really wild when you start like finding out, you know, how many people this game really affected, you know, because sure. there, I think at the peak, and I don't know, I probably should find this out. I think there was at least a couple million people at its wow. like height. I'm almost certain of that. Um, it, it was like, I mean, that figure alone, I, I mean, I can't even imagine. I don't even know how many were playing when I you know, played uh, so long ago, but I mean. And just to put that in perspective for people, the original Final Fantasy II, what we call Final Fantasy IV now, when that came out on Super Nintendo yeah. in 1992, that sold 18,000 copies in the <laughs> U.S. We don't appreciate that now, but that sold 18,000 copies. Wow. So compare that to Ultima Online selling 2 million copies. That was revolutionary. That well, yeah. Out. You know, I, it, it, it's so interesting because it did so many things right, and I feel like you know, with, with the World of Warcraft kind of thing, it kind of gave us this on-rails, you know, experience where they just kind of push you a certain direction. And like you said, you're on a hamster wheel, we're getting gear, you know, after we do this, X, Y, Z, and that was it. And people, I guess, seem to really gravitate towards that style. But, you know, I always wondered in the back of my head, like, I wonder if someone did it differently. What if they did a skill system kind of like UO did, you know, on a scale? Would, would that actually work anymore? You know, I don't know. What is your kind of opinion, like how they did the skills and all that? I think Elden Ring has shown there is a hunger out there for old school game design, yeah. right? Like like Demon Souls, Dark Souls, uh, you know, it's all it's all hitting that same kind of ultimate level of game design where it's really unclear what you're supposed to do. Right. No one's holding your hand. The stats are kind of hidden behind the scenes. You're not sure what gear does. Right. It's all exactly the same. Um, so I, I do want to ask, so what era, forgive me, like, um, so, cause I'm trying to remember stuff from 20 years ago. Yeah. You sure. The original, you had the original launch. Yeah. 2d. Right. Then you had the samurai upgrade, right? There was some huge. So it went expansion. like original yeah. and I'm, I'm probably going to get a little of this mixed up. I'm not a historian. So I probably should be, but. The, like the original launch, then they did the T2A, which was like another... T2A, is that when they went to 3D? Well, they did some experiments with 3D that was interesting. Um, but the T2A kind of just did another landmass. It was like Delusia. Um, it was a whole other yes, land. Yes, I remember that. Yes, okay. yes. that's where I yes. kind of started playing because you could steal... I remember like black sandals were all the rage and black dye yes. tubs. That was kind of rare. Um, they did those kind of oh things. Oh my God, you're hitting yeah. <laughs> and not going up. And oh my God. Like wow. these, it, uh, and again, like simple things like on the, when the server came up, there were server rares that people went to grab. Like small things that they did were just, I feel like they were so ahead of their time. Like it's unbelievable. Like no one, like you go into World of Warcraft and you have like an achievement, like whoop-de-doo. It, it doesn't feel like meaningful to me, you know, whereas like right. UO, I'm like, man, this is, you're impacting the world. Like, and then 
you have to, there's no auction house. Like there, there's vendors you can sell stuff on, but it's mostly player interaction, which is, huh. uh, you, you know. would hang out by the bank for hours. That's right. For yep. hours selling yeah. stuff, hoping someone would come by. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so, and you know, you talk about like, I gotta say sometimes like these gamers, these, these kid gamers, I'm sorry, don't mean to have no offense to younger people, yeah, yeah, yeah. but they'll be complaining like, <laughs> oh, it's so hard to get an RTX 3090. And I'm like, look, let me tell you what was really hard. Yeah. Taking your whole computer back in 2000 <laughs> to try to get it to run the new Ultima version uh, back when DirectX was held together with duct tape and oh God, yeah. and trying to get fast RAM and <laughs> setting your IRQs and trying to get your hard drive working right yeah. and trying to get your extended memory to, to not be slowed down. Right. That was hard. Yeah. You've got to go buy one thing and put it in there. My <laughs> computer Cost the equivalent of five thousand dollars. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I know. Well, and not only that, like when we uh, that that's kind of what got me into the technology field anyway, because half the stuff I was like tweaking and editing configuration files, ini files. Oh. It's what I did for gaming anyway, because yeah, nothing ever worked right. Your everyone's computer was a tin can, and you had to like maximize, you know, what you had and. You know, same thing with UO, a lot of people were on dial-up and it was god-awful slow and you had to like, I, and I remember this, uh, I'd love to talk to someone who did this, but there were guys that bought T1 lines to their house yep. just for UO. I mean, that's how addicted, you know, people I, were. I'd be lying if I said I didn't price it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think, God, I feel like it was either a thousand a month or yep. maybe, I don't know, it was astronomical back then. I mean, it was... A significant cost. I will never forget because people don't appreciate this. Like World of Warcraft had this advance where if you died, you could go to your corpse and get your stuff back. You yeah. know, it wasn't like that. Right. If you died, you got ganked. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was hardcore all the time. And I will never forget this time. I rage quit my entire year <laughs> because I got murdered in this dungeon because I got uh, lag spiked yeah. to the point that I just died and I lost all this God tier gear. Mm -hmm. And I was just so upset about it. So, Well, and I think it's funny too, because I hear people like, uh, you know, complaining about a game. It's too hard or whatever. And I'm like, or they say like, Oh, this, this game's toxic or I play Call of Duty and these people are toxic. I'm like, man, I said, you know, cutting my teeth in UO. <laughs> I said, you know, maybe it desensitized me. I don't know. But <laughs> once you play UO, the type of people you will interact with, I'm like, nothing else compares. I'm like, sticks and stones because <laughs> I've heard it all. <laughs> nothing, oh, nothing hurts my feelings. Yeah, like it, it doesn't even come close. Um, now, you, you brought up PvP. Explain to me, what did you, you know, how did you like PvP in UO? Like, what is, oh, that? I avoided it as much okay. as I, I could because, look, I, I can't compete with those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I just wanted to do my own thing and explore dungeons with friends as I could. But yeah. You know, for me, it was always the the exploration and just trying to be part of a community, like right. weapons to help people, you know, have reagents, that kind of thing. Yeah. And did you now in this game is so interesting because, yeah, as, as much as you avoid PVP, you really almost couldn't because it, it was just right. 
it was like it, it came with you know the territory um do you remember seeing like i mean do you even remember some of the pks back then like the names or no Oh God, I can't. I'm sorry. Can't. No, it's, it's okay. Too yeah, long. Just, yeah. Yeah. No. So sometimes people have very specific memories. Like, man, this one guy. I remember his name. He PK. You know, because it. And again, that just goes back to speak about the game. Like, no, no other experience in my life where I could like, you know, recall certain things in that detail. It's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy. You know, and. Uh, I don't know, but okay. So you didn't like PKing. You did. You did the blacksmith kind of thing. Did you do any other kind of characters? Yeah, major as best as I could. Okay. Um, yeah, I tried to be a healer as much as I could. Yeah. Um, you know, that's this just always been my thing. I mean, I've always, even in uh, you know Final Fantasy fourteen today, I just try to be a support class as much okay. as I can because I'll I, I I will never be able to compete with the people that live in the game. Right. I got a job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'll well, out as best as I can. And it's interesting you say that because you know. I've noticed like a lot of the power gamers on you out today, and I'm sure it's the same back then. I mean, these people put some unbelievable hours into the game yeah. where, I mean, it might as well be their job because, right. you know, I'm like, I can't yeah, compete with a guy that sits there for 12 hours and farms. Like, <laughs> I just, that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, like, do you ever remember back in the day, people that put, I mean, tons of time into this game? Yeah, I mean, there would be people in my guild, and it would not matter what time of the day you <laughs> in, they would be there. It would be morning, it would be night, it would yeah. be, you know, uh, four in the four a.m. I mean, right. just people that really, really seemed addicted, and I was addicted. So yeah, this is, I know. This is really un- unhealthy. I I'd love to know. Help me understand what is the state of the game today? Like, can I go? download and play it did someone just like save the source code and keep so on it? It, it kind of split into two uh forks in the road here we have the official servers it still exist the same ones you really? played back in the day yes so and i could try to find my old character and they so still exist that's where it gets a bit clunky but yes if you email um them and you give them i think you have to give them maybe your old email the character name they can recover oh, the account okay. it is possible yeah. now don't you know don't quote me it's a bit clunky i've heard people like hey they weren't able to help me it's probably five or six people on the team total that um wow. are still left and the official uh servers are actually still alive because i i recently visited there just to check it out to see what what the deal was and it is still very much so alive uh people have been playing i mean it just hit 25 years so I mean, there are still people playing, um, enjoying it, loving it. Now, the reason I said you're coming at an interesting time, um, uh, and I just interviewed him in the last episode, there's a guy named John Clark. He reached out to me. He's writing an article for, I guess, the MIT Technology Magazine, okay, regarding like kind of metaverse and UO specifically. And this guy did like, I'm not kidding you, like 60 minutes reporter type, like research on UO. I was pretty blown away. He knew his stuff. And it was fascinating because I was able to like show him kind of like the game because he he actually did play it before. So he had some concept, but Alex was able to show him. And it's so interesting that this game, you know, we said 25 years later is still being studied and still fascinates some people on, you know, the game design, you know, like we said, the skills, the PKing, 
all of that right. to say that it still has a, I would say, uh, maybe niche, but we estimated total there's probably – 20 to 25,000 people that play in the U.S. is my oh soft my estimate. So you have to pay a sub and you can yes. keep playing on the original servers. Correct. And it's maintained by some of the original team. Is there a monthly fee? How does so that work? No to the, there's no original people left. These are all newer uh, type of people. I believe it's $15 a month, I believe, still. Wow. Um, there is a free version, like it's called Endless Journey, that because that's how I was able to log in, like for free. You, you can just log in now. Um, but I want to say that those devs, I don't know if it's a lack of resources or what it is, but they haven't really done much of anything new. Um, they do events, they do stuff like that. Um, but on the flip side of this coin, um, the other side of this is the uh, private or gray shards or free shards that's actually what i play and there is if i could tell you the passion that these people have for this game it, it's second to none they literally took the classic client that you knew back then they sure. basically modernized it and again this is all people doing this for free this isn't some you know company with millions of dollars someone just did this for free they basically took that client and made it like you know, 2022 standards where you can zoom in now on the client. It runs at, you know, you can go, I think, you know, over 144 FPS now. Like it, when I show people that they're like, dude, what? Like, cause your character now moves like fluently <laughs> across the screen, you know? And, and all this has been really just a, you know, private effort to kind of keep the game alive. Um, so, I would say that, yeah, like the, the the private shards, the one I play on, which is the biggest one in the U.S., they usually have over 3,000 people online 24-7, huh. um, which I know in a, in a numbers sake for MMOs, it's like, well, that thing's on life support. But you know as well as I do, no, no, UO's yeah. different where it, it can feel very much alive with just that amount of people. Um, they actually had a problem when they were growing that there was just so many people they had to release a little, so a little bit more land because it was just it was too small for housing. Um, but needless to say, both options are still uh, you know available and, and very much so niche. Now, you mentioned PvP. That that's my like specialty. I live for the PvP. I'm not. I'm not good at it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk a lot of crap for sure. But I'm. I'm definitely not. You know. I'm not anything special by any means, but what really, you know, excites me is when I go to, you know, let's say kill someone, that engagement is different every single time. It's never the same, you know, whether I'm running someone through a dungeon or, you know, through the world, it's so dynamic that it really, I don't know, it does something where I'm like, I, I want to do it again to see how it pans out. Maybe they kill me, you know, maybe a, a monster kills me. I don't know. Um, you know, I would imagine it would be more rewarding in 2022 because the really big question back when I played it, it was always, is it the lag killing me or is mm -hmm. it my build that's killing me? Right. Because it, it was so inconsistent back there. I remember even when I got DSL working, <laughs> it was still not great. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is because I've, I've got the Mississippi version of DSL. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it was just very, it was, it was, 
because you're talking ping back to their server. Right. You know, please understand this is 2000 and God, 2002. Right. Back yep. to you, just not, not reliable at all. So I think I would imagine today, like the thing that makes, made PVP frustrating for me is if you don't understand why you died, you right. can't get better and adjust your tactics. So yeah. I think it would probably be better today. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, you know, 2002, we had maybe a few websites that post other like Stratix that posted like. Stratix. Yeah. Oh my God, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That still exists, by the way. That's uh, still oh online. Um, but yeah, you know, my point is we didn't really have many like, you know, guides or anything like that. You had, I remember I had ICQ, right? And, and you know, it's funny. I had this conversation with a couple of, uh, I guess, old timers, but I'm like, you know, this whole Discord age now where everything's so fast and, and it, you can't even read a dang comment because it just, it goes so fast on your screen if it's a live chat. I'm like, I miss forums where I can just yeah. sit there and like, you know, I can follow a conversation, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old. I'm not sure. No, no, no. Because you'd like, oh, I've got a question. Can someone right. pray someone would see it and answer you? Yeah. Maybe you get done for being dumb. Maybe you wouldn't. But right. Would go. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I just wish like back in the day, forums were just so much easier to just read and like understand. Like Discord now, if you're in a busy server, I mean, geez, it could scroll every five seconds. You know, people are typing and it's like, I, you know, I can't follow that. Um, so did you ever go, I, I mean, I assume you got deep in the, if you do this, you must be really deep on the Ultima lore. Did you ever go back the other way and experience like Ultima 7 and Ultima 7 Part 2? Because, you know, the two feed into each other. It's all like the, the parts of the Ultima first, you know, I guess, um, eight games. Yeah. Those so, all inform Ultima Online. No, you know, I never went back and, and replayed some of those classics, um, which shame on me 100%. Yeah. I, I need to. Um, I've just like, I don't know. I've, I was, I've been so enamored with this dang game <laughs> for so long that I, I, I do want to go back and play those because um, I think they still hold a special place in a lot of people's hearts. And, and, and the, it seemed like to me the decision making was very interesting. Um, and maybe even revolutionary at that time where you could kind of decide different things if you wanted to, yeah. I don't know. Definitely. Well, it was, uh, it was dynamic problem solving, right? Yeah. Like there's a, a bank in Britain for Ultima six mm. that if you're trying to get money at the beginning of the game, you can go there, you can do a quest to get a key or you can do what I do, like bring a bunch of powder kegs there, blow up the, uh, <laughs> the steel door yeah. and uh, in the middle of the night and then steal it and then walk away, right? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of this dynamic problem solving. But the, I think the thing, I think the reason Ultima is still so beloved today is is the lore, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like you, you've got a story about trying to become a better person, right? And it's set in this medieval place, but it's like remixing all these ideas with every single iteration of the series, mm -hmm. which, you know, Ultima, I mean, Ultima online is, you know, the shard comes from the shard of uh mundane back right. from Ultima one being broken, which is just this, 
trivia that we've completely forgotten all of the yeah. the years later that it came from Ultima One. So I I don't know. I think it's like um I think you can't really appreciate how cool the lore is of mm-hmm. Ultima unless you've like experienced the original works that it's based on. Yeah. That they kind of iterated on, if that makes sense. I think it does for me, and I'm gonna counter your point with sure. I never got so hot and heavy with the lore because the world was so dynamic. What I mean by that is the players basically shaped my experience, you know, where I could, you know, as soon as I left the guards, you know, there could be, you know, five PKs camping out and they just slaughter me or whatever it was. So I think I had a lot of those core basics like the, I'm a good person or I'm standing for, you know, the good side or, you know, maybe the bad side. Right. Or, you know, I'm somewhere in between. It was like, I understand some of the concepts. I I do want to go back and, you know, uh, fully understand them, but I was so just like caught up in, you know, you actually made a difference in the world. You did, you know, like that was so different to me as a concept in a game where it's like, you could be the blacksmith that sells, the most armor and you make a ton of money off it and everyone knows it, you know, and they know it's you who make it. And you're at the Brit, you know, blacksmith shop every Friday night, you know, selling your swords or whatever it was. Um, that kind of was very interesting. And, and I want to ask you this too, your interactions with players in the game, has it kind of helped shape, you know, how you look at the world? I mean, being honest in a dark way, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much you know about Gamergate, but, uh, yeah. you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm Brianna away from Gamergate and, yeah. you know, like the, the troll beat it's, it's, uh, you know, I grew up in Ultima. I think as you say, it's something that uh, fundamentally changes you. Right. <laughs> it, it makes you, uh, have a deep, um, have a deep uh, reservoir of tolerance for, for BS. Mm-hmm. I think at the same time, you know, Ultima really shaped the belief I would carry through my career that if you're going to build a community, you've got to get rid of the assholes. Mm-hmm. Because I can't yeah. tell you how many times I joined a guild and it would be good. And then you'd bring in somebody that was always starting fights or starting yeah. drama. And you got to show them the damn door. Right. You got to show them the door. Yeah. Uh, like there's somebody who's going to be on there drinking a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Some shit. Yeah. You show them the door. And I, I really feel like that very firm belief that, you know, if you're going to build a community, you have a responsibility to tend to it. I, I feel like that directly came from Ultima. If so let me sense. ask you this too, because we're getting into some interesting territory. So um, I agree with you that, um, <laughs> I almost, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this in 2022, nothing has changed. <laughs> There's probably the same amount of, you know, assholes as there is to great people, <laughs> you know, ratio. It's, it's probably damn near the same. Um, but, you know, this is always the, I guess, million dollar question. And I've asked a couple of the older devs, like, it's spiraled to the point where how in the world do you, you know, moderate this kind of community when it, you know, I don't know. I guess it's hard for me to imagine like what, what could they have done, you know, other than just like you said, well, this guy's, you know, just boot him out, you know? 
Like it's it's tough. I guess I, my point is I feel for them in that sense. Yeah, I mean they couldn't. I think they were running into this very real um, inability to scale the entire system to yeah. to deal with harassment, right? Right. And it's also worth saying, like Ultima is more of a situation where filtering keywords mm-hmm. can be effective, right? Because like you certainly got griefers and oh, yeah. that's a real problem. That's more behavioral, but like you can't, it was much harder in something like Ultima to say dock someone or send right. a rape or a death threat when you yeah. had the keyword filters there. I mean, people got creative, obviously. Well, but and yeah, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this because I'll have you kind of give me the, the you know, I don't want to, you know, go into this too long, but I want sure. you to tell kind of your story. But I'm just gonna preface this with. You know, during uh, the COVID times is what I call it. Sure. <laughs> um, I did a lot of streaming with UO and, and I got, you know, I was, I ran like a PK kind of guild and I, I had zero notoriety for streaming, by the way. That's not the point of saying this, but just the small area of UO, right, where I was in, um, I did have people that, yeah, would, you know, say stuff online about me or just crazy things where I was just like, whoa, like it's 2022, you know, we're playing a 25-year-old game and still people are are taking it, you know, that seriously. I was really shocked. So I I can't imagine at scale, right, <laughs> what that can be. I think having a woman character in the game as well, I mean, the thing I dealt with a lot were horny dudes wanting to <laughs> sex with you. Yeah. That happened yeah. a lot. Yeah. That happened a lot. And dudes asking for pictures and one yeah. like just out of out of nowhere. Right. And uh, you know, like it, it it's just like I'm not there to take care of some some person's boner. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Like, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to level my character, man. Yeah. So uh yeah um but at the same time like i remember when ultima first um launched and if you got caught in geometry you could summon someone in the game like a um a wizard to come like help break you out of the geometry if you got stuck yeah they were they were yeah counselors Uh, yes was one tier and i think there were game masters which were like I think red robes were GMs and counselors were blue for sure. I think that's right. But yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. My mm-hmm. point is that's a very hard system to scale. Right. Right. Yeah. And Ultima was really hitting the limit of that. You know, mm-hmm. Xbox would find this years later when XBLA <laughs> came out and yeah. joined it, and which is why Microsoft largely went to automated systems, which, let's be honest, are, are deeply, deeply flawed. Mm hmm. No, and um, tell it, you know, you could tell my audience kind of like your kind of story. I, I don't, you know, like I said, tell as much as, you know, you want to share or whatever, kind of what, you know, happened with you. Because I think it's it's definitely interesting. Uh, it happened with me in what sense? Well, like, so I, I read some things on Wikipedia, so I don't know your sure. entire history. But like in terms of doxing and like, I, I, it seemed like you got kind of caught into some really interesting things that happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, you most people know me for Gamergate, which was a, a very seminal history, um, moment of history in the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the first 
time a harassment campaign against women in the game industry um, really broke into the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, basically, I had all 4chan, and then it was the founding of 8chan, um, which were threatening to kill me, threatening to rape mm. me. Um, yeah, I had a man in a skull knife, uh, skull mask, shooting videos, holding a knife, explaining how he was going to murder me and my family. Wow. Uh, they had picture people assembling like diagrams of my home from the internet, um, tweeting about how they were going to come through my house and okay, Brianna's sleeping in this room. So we kill the dogs in this room. Wow. Other dog on fire here, double tap her here and then escape out through here. This is where we're going to go with the cops come like a really detailed, crazy wow. level of harassment that was all conducted just perfectly open for anyone to see. Wow. Um, it was just nuts. What was, and, and if you don't mind me asking, what was like the like reasoning or do you even know? Women are treated like garbage in the video game industry. Yeah. Um, like, I'm sorry. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's a deeply sexist place to work. Sure. Um, yeah. We were having conversations about what women developers were facing. Yeah. Um, and, um, it just deeply, deeply upset some people. So, um, the reason Gamergate is notable today, not to get political, but sure. many yeah. figures behind Gamergate like Steve Bannon then went on to work for the Trump White House and many reporters, including the New York Times, have written articles how the Trump campaign adopted many of the same messages from Gamergate in order to win. Huh. Uh, Gamergate directly led to the birth of the QAnon movement. Uh, wow. One third of the January 6th insurrection was tied to QAnon, which is directly tied to A-Chan and, and, and 4 Right, Gamergate. that kind of came, so yeah. It's like, Wow. So gaming is like the start of information warfare in the right. United States. Yeah. Kind of this harassment campaign. And to be honest, it doesn't matter these days if you're on the left, right, whatever you believe in, yeah. these tactics are going to be used on you. So. No. And it's interesting, you know, you say that because uh, I feel like we are in a time where uh, I, I was talking to my wife about this just even today. And I was like, I read a piece of information <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if this is actually true. And I, I got so frustrated that I had to go to such lengths to just <laughs> understand if what I'm reading is actual factual or not, you know? Sure. And I think that's a, and like you said, no matter what side, left, right, middle, whatever, that's a core problem that we're facing is like the average person doesn't want to spend two hours researching, you know, what, should just be factual in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. it's tough. Yeah. Well, the problem with Gamergate is the lesson we should have learned from Gamergate is there are bad tactics. It's wrong to have someone say something you don't agree with online and comb through their entire life finding right. something you don't like and whipping up a mob to criticize them. Yeah. And look, I want to be clear. It was a right-wing mob that did that to me during Gamergate. Yeah. But let's be clear. The left uses that tactic routinely today, right. not as much as the right, in my view. But this is just open season. It's yeah. part of it's part of the discourse. And what I find mm -hmm. so disheartening is, you know, even back in 2014, you can find endless interviews of me saying, "Look, if we don't shut this down, right. if we don't set policies, this is going to be the future of how we argue online." And unfortunately, it is. Yeah, and you know. 
and why I kind of brought that up is I felt for you because someone just, you know, they said something about me on Twitter and it was just one person and, and, you know, it was stupid. He, you know, called me a pedophile, believe it or not, just out out of, out of nowhere and had like my picture on there, the whole nine. Right. And I was like, what? And it just came out of, you know, left field. And, um, I was so just taken aback by like, how, where did, you know, how did we even get here? Right. And, I reported it, you know, and they, I, I guess they ended up taking it down, but the guy's account, of course, was still, <laughs> still active. It didn't seem like they, you know, gave, gave a damn, but, you know, just hearing your story of what you went through, I can't even imagine because I still feel like it's the wild west for this type of stuff. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't believe that people are, you know, really being protected as a whole because, I can only imagine, you know, streamers now that have, you know, millions of viewers. I mean, I can't even imagine the trolls and all this other crap that goes on, right? I don't know. I think for a game like Ultima, what it really comes down to is you give game design that is is structured in a way to be cooperative or you can have game design that rewards like trolling behavior. Yeah. And I think respectfully for Ultima Online, I think that early some of the early design decisions really did reward griefing. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, we didn't know this back then. Like, no criticism of the devs. We were trying to figure out, like, <laughs> right. how do you have a bank <laughs> ecosystem that yeah. works? I mean, it, it takes time to figure this out. But, you know, Ultima really showed that there were people out there that the game for them was making things miserable for other yep. people. So. Uh, yeah. And, and now let me ask you this. Do you think in 2022, you know, a, I'm just going to say a UO inspired, right? It can't be Ultima sure. Online 2. Do you think with the hardcore mechanics that UO has, do you, do you feel that there would still be a mass appeal or market for it? I don't because I think unfortunately Richard Garriott has... I think his, and I love the dude. He, he donated my congressional campaign. I respect him. Nothing but respect for him. Yeah. But it really seems to me that he has been willing to leave the Ultima franchise to like the, the, the history books to a spot that's very, very well earned. Yeah. But there has not been that effort along the way to kind of, refresh it and introduce it to new gamers so yeah you know i think today it would be very meaningful for you me and other people but the real explosion of gamers happened as of the xbox 360 era Mm -hmm. and i just don't think it was a factor in the same way by that that time so yeah um i think you could build an audience for it particularly because there's all this lore but I think it would be an uphill battle. Right. You know? um, I think, ironically, I if I were trying to relaunch Ultima, I would probably go over to these gray shards you're talking about, mm-hmm. see if I can get an open source agreement with them for right. uh, you know their interface tech, and then go and relaunch Ultima Online and just build yeah. on that and see if I can get a good audience there. I know, because some of the frustration when I kind of was doing research on like the official shards is th- there's always been a, I would say a a strong desire for players that they want and I'm going to put this in air quotes, an old school style, uh, you know, shard 
on the official servers, however. So imagine a gray shard kind of, but on official servers, right? And the official server devs have usually come back and said, well, we're not able to do that. We don't have the source code, whatever. Insert whatever excuse you know there is. And we're kind of like, well, the gray shards exist. <laughs> there's definitely code out there to, to pull this off. Um, but they've they've never really you know taken that ball and ran with it. And the reason I'm I'm telling you this is when you play on a gray shard, there's always just a unknown factor on who's running it. Is it fair? Is it you know balanced? And I think that's just the nature of the beast because just we don't know behind the scenes. Whereas in a an official shards i i view it as a little bit more fair right where it's like a company running it you know and, and that kind of thing um so that's kind of both ends of that i don't know if that kind of you know helps where things are at sense to me it's just it seems to me like mmos are very famously an expensive thing money to pit keep running. <laughs> yeah. that that said if you're talking about not even needing to refactor an old code base but put a fresh interface like basically a front-end coat of paint yeah on a code base like i don't know what you was written on do you know that offhand what the, no the, the code base is i don't and uh and i apologize for going down another separate rabbit hole but sure um uh, when, I, when I mentioned uh, this guy, John Clark, talking about, he was talking about the metaverse, and, and it was very interesting. I had a listener that what guy I interviewed, uh, the one right before that, he, we were talking about the Oculus, or I'll announce called, I guess, the Meta Quest 2 or something. But I'm like, man, you know, my family, we have really gotten into VR, uh, the space. I love it. I really think it's, you know, it's awesome. But he basically, this guy, just on his own, he started, you know, taking the code, I guess, from UO and started making kind of a map in like VR where you could kind of go in a, imagine Britain, but in VR space. Right. Um, and I thought that was like, so talking about like uh, an Ultima Online 2, I feel like it's going to be in the metaverse somehow in some way. Do you think so? Because I've done a lot of, of, you know vr development okay and you know i i feel like a story that's never gotten told is the number of of women that played ultima online like i yeah. am not the only woman that loved this game, right? <laughs> right yeah um so that said there are certain physical like we know a lot of things about like for whatever reason women get much 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 sicker in vr than dudes do we don't know really? why, huh. but it's it's just a fact you can try to get around it by like optimizing your draw calls towards the center of the screen you know having more cartoony um uh, skeletal meshes certainly helps huh. um, making sure anything you're looking at that um you know frame rate being very 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 high right like um you know 70 or more okay. that helps but if you're moving you can't get over that and i think like this is why so many games have the teleport mechanic yeah so, wow i um, didn't know that I, okay yeah i think that would be really really hard i i don't know like i, Here's, I think that if v, uh, vr was going to catch on at this point i feel like it would have some foothold in the market and it, it doesn't yeah i mean i guess uh, what i what i was really meaning to say is not perhaps not a one-for-one -one, right where it's like a full-blown uo in the headset but 
when I was talking to him and, and John Clark, I was kind of like, man, if I could imagine just a medieval setting in VR where like players had even just housing, right? We don't even have to go into the deep mechanics of UO, but just like a house that you could decorate like you did in UO. And then I said, hey, Brianna, why don't you, can you come over to my house? And you like walked over, you know, to my medieval house and like we sat down and like, I think that is really cool is where like, you know, I don't know. I feel like that is possible. That's not out of the realm. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be a one for one, like every mechanic in there. Um, but I didn't know that about uh, VR, what you said about women. Do they, do they get dizzy or what? Yeah, you get VR sickness at a huh. much higher rate to the point, like for me, it's very hard to do development in, in VR. I wow. mean, there's a limit to how much I can do. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I really enjoy games like uh, Space Pirate Trainer, yeah. and Beat Saber. Right. Like, I enjoy these games uh, quite a bit. Um, hmm. you know, that, that very first, um, the, the demo uh, Bullet Train yeah. uh, with Unreal Engine, because that's why I specialize in as okay. a developer great fantastically done right i don't know what it is though like i will return and get addicted and spend all day playing something <laughs> on yeah. ps5 i just won't with the vr game and right. i don't know why that is but it's it's something it's like a barrier i can't get past vr just is more <laughs> like an arcade for me but yeah no there, there's a point in that that yeah like i <laughs> I, it, VR is not to the point where I'm like, hey, all right, I'm going to sit down on a Friday night and I'm putting on my headset for five hours. No way. Um, I'm not there yet. I, But I do see some of the utility and other things like we uh, – my wife and I do this um, – it's called Supernatural on there. It's like a workout kind of deal on the VR. And that has really blown me away where something I didn't think I was going to enjoy that much. Like that was really cool. You can like do boxing. It's kind of like Beat Saber, you know – kind of style and uh, you actually get a decent like workout you sweat you get your heart rate up it's pretty cool um but i do agree with you that yeah like you know i'm not sitting there for as much time as i'm on the computer right playing games no way um i think yeah it's definitely not there yet um okay um i want to ask you some fun questions yes okay so on your phone do you have any games that you play right now on your phone you know what? I say this as an iOS developer. Yeah. I have given up on mobile gaming. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I tell you, I've fought for it for so long. You can go and find a thousand podcasts of me yeah. talking about how stigma against mobile gaming is not fair. It's brought in a great generation of women gamers. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I feel like we had some choices with, with mobile gaming as we were developing it mm. and i think we could have made real experiences we charged money for right and instead we've got these gotcha mechanics i and know i just i i i i I cannot justify it. What I do instead, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a really serious speedrunner. Okay. Uh, so I carry an analog pocket around with me with an an, an NES and SNES emulation. Really? And I just uh, practiced that. I'm the second fastest uh, Princess Peach speedrunner in the entire world. Wow. Okay. Well, you, you f five stars on that answer because you well exceeded, <laughs> you know, what I was going to ask. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, how did you get into speedrunning? Is that just something you enjoy or? 
So uh, Princess Peach was uh, the first real female playable character in games besides Samus Aran. Okay. And I just got obsessed with that game as a child. I've always been obsessed with it. And then at some point I realized like, hey, people have not been playing this game for 20 years. I may have some legit skills. Right. So, yeah. Uh, there, that's how I kind of got into it. That's funny. I'm yeah. working on a Resident Evil run right now. Wow, yeah, like, you know, as much as I'm a, I love PvP, I'm hardcore into it, like, I know, given my age, I'm way past my reaction timing, you know, peak <laughs> compared to when I was younger, but, um, yeah, I never could do, like, just the speed stuff, I, I don't know what it was, I just, I'm not really good at, you know, going super fast, so when I watch people do speed runs, I'm always, like, taken aback, I'm like, holy crap, like, it's yeah. like, you know, I don't know, it's crazy. It's mostly just practice, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah, no, that, no, that, that's really interesting. And okay, um, what is uh, a cool TV show that you're watching right now? Oh gosh, uh, so I am rewatching one of my very favorite shows of all time right now, which is Homeland. Okay, uh, I love that show. Look, I know I'm a progressive. Yeah, I know it's got some problematic stuff in it. <laughs> I love the show. Yeah. It's got good acting. And I genuinely tear up when I see people serving their country and sacrificing right. uh, for the country they love. I'm just an absolute sucker for that. And um, I love that show. That, that's really cool. No, and, and I sincerely appreciate you sitting down with me because, you know, I, I think our political views may be a little bit different, but, sure. you know, and this is something that my wife and I listened to. It was, it was really fascinating. It was uh, Joe Rogan and Matt Walsh talking. And eliminate the political side to it, but it was just two humans talking with different viewpoints, but they could just sit there and speak and not rage out or, you know, like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you know, not the media stuff were fed. They just sat there. Yeah. They just sat there and talked. And even though they didn't come to the same conclusion, it was okay. It was like, we're still human. That's okay. And no, I, I really, yeah. No, I appreciate you kind of sitting down because, you know, I think politics right now perhaps is a, is a dirty word, but I, I am very passionate about it. I, I like it. I feel like it's something we should all, you know, discuss. It shouldn't be taboo. <laughs> I feel like if you can, you know, talk. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I think if America is going to continue, I think something that social media is very, very good at is giving people small communities to focus on what makes them different yeah. and to feel aggrieved when those differences um, make you feel like you're, you're entitled to things. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, look, women are treated like, like garbage in the game industry and yeah. I don't regret any of the stances I've taken on that. But what I'm saying is we're really becoming balkanized in the United States where it doesn't matter. It's like Call of Duty, Duty gamers, Xbox gamers, Republican, right. Democrat, yeah. fat, thin, black, white, gay, yeah. straight, trans, cis. It doesn't matter what you are. You're going to find this like subculture that tells you you're a victim. Right. And that anyone that doesn't recognize that is your enemy. And I think if this country is going to survive, every time we've done great things, it's by focusing more on what brings us together right. and what we have in common and what we all want. So yeah, that's something I learned running for Congress. I mean, I would like to see us talking about how to get affordable energy, right? Right. Solve our yeah. housing crisis. I think that would be a much smarter way forward. 
Yeah, I, I feel like, um, and we talked about like just information as a whole. Um, sure. I just, I, it gets so frustrating that I feel like, I feel like I'm just, well, first of all, I feel like I am a victim of the algorithm. <laughs> like, you know, I just, I'm, I'm plugged into this matrix and it's just feeding me, you know, whatever it thinks. So I stay on this, whatever platform it is longer. Um, I do just worry about, you know, these massive platforms and how in the world do you, you know, govern and, you know, police it, I feel like is a astronomical task for anyone, right? Because it's yeah. so out of control in terms of people, trolls, bots, whatever, right? <laughs> like, it's, I don't envy anyone's position um, who controls that. But yeah, I do feel like, you know, uh, unfortunately, we're, we're so polarized now where it's like, you know, and this is funny, you may laugh at this, but like, uh, I was at, this was, I think right after kind of COVID was, was kind of dying down a little bit. And, um, I actually lost a few friends from this cause I was a, um, conservative mask wearing person. And that like mm-hmm. broke people's, you know, brain where they're like, well, you should do it this way. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not in a box. I'm a person. I can have different <laughs> views on, I, I don't just follow you know, the damn line the whole way through. And that was my kind of realization that, wow, people are really just, it's like hard, right, hard, left. Like there's no, you know, middle anymore. And I think that's a pretty scary thought to me. I don't know. Something, something I saw when I was running for Congress is, um, yeah, I started off and look, I'd worked in the tech sector as an engineer, right? Yeah. My political world was limited to women gamers who work in tech right yeah and then i went to pursuing office which meant i had to get off the computer <laughs> and yeah. go out in the real world i added it up at one point i think i met and shook about sixty thousand hands wow. in the course of running for office and and one thing i learned is this kind of academic discussion we were having in feminism was just flat out not what the union workers in Boston wanted to talk about. Yeah. It wasn't what in their life, it wasn't what they cared about. Right. And if I wanted to make a difference about anything I personally cared about, I needed to, no matter who I was talking to, see the humanity in them and constantly be focusing on like the common ground. Right. It, was a really really good lesson right like you stand up you pick your battles when they make sense but i think if you're not thinking about human dignity um i think you're on the wrong path because it doesn't matter if you're a a southern baptist in the south who's white and votes republican you you want dignity you feel like the country's making fun of you and doesn't respect you exact same thing for you know trans a non-binary person in California going to Berkeley, majoring in whatever, right? They don't feel respected. Yeah. I think, I I can just say the people I admire the most from guild leaders in UO to political leaders are the ones that have that capacity to give a bigger vision that kind of brings us together. Right. No, and that's why, like, I think politics and UO kind of intertwine because you could be talking to someone, I mean, that, you know, differs from you politically, that could be a a different like socioeconomic thing. Like it could be so radically different, but you both are in this game, sharing a game. And I always found it 
wild where like, you know, and now in this, you know, 2022, we have Discord. You, you get to know people in your guild, you know, a little bit more than, you know, you would have back then. But, you know, sure. you come to find out like, wow, this person maybe is, you know, left leaning and I had no idea. But we still <laughs> had com that common ground to come together and we're still people at the end of the day. And, it you know, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I this game to me is special, too, because of that reason where we all can come together for we're doing, you know, a guild event or we're just, you know, you know, just shooting the crap, just, you know, hanging out in discord, talking, whatever that I, to I me. Agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I would say though, and let me know if you disagree with yeah. this. This is just me, but sure. I, I feel like maybe it's because of my job. So much of my public profile, I have to talk about politics. <laughs> yeah. We started like, this is literally my seventh and a half hour of media, doing media today. Right? Yeah. When I'm playing final fantasy 14, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about <laughs> income tax cut. Right. I don't want to talk about vaccination policy. Yeah. Right. I don't want to talk about LGBT rights. Yeah. The only thing I want is for someone not to be making, go to the kitchen and make me a sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, right. right. That's, yeah. that's all I want. Just yeah. treat me like a human. Right. I'm gonna leave the uh, the ERA. We'll we'll handle that discussion yeah. later. Yeah, I, I really kind of wish. Like, I understand apolitical doesn't truly exist, but I really wish more gaming communities were better at just kind of not talking about politics. Cause yeah. it, it does tend to make it kind of an unpleasant place in my view. Yeah. I think there's uh there's a fine line where unfortunately for, I would say, I don't even know if it's the majority this is anecdotal, but a lot of people lack the capacity to talk to someone, have a different set of opinions and maybe even values. I don't know, but to sure. be able to, respected enough to say i'm not going to change your mind you're not changing my mind all good but yeah. let's go sit down and have a coffee or let's go watch yeah. tv <laughs> like, <laughs> or let's talk about the thing that brings us together in this community right, right? yeah that that's what i'm saying i wish that would and i think to your point unfortunately i think what a lot of you know i think guilds and organizations have to do is they have to just kind of have a hard policy of hey no political talk because yeah, people just I agree. lose their mind, right? They can't handle. I, <laughs> I do think you have to say you got to treat people with respect. And yeah. That goes for Christians and women and you, know, you can't use the N-bomb or stuff right. like that. Yeah. But I mean, that's just a general respect rule. Really. Yeah. But I think beyond that, um, I just, you know, I see this, I feel like I'm doomed to like spend a lot of my time in male dominated communities. The other thing I do is I, yeah. I play a lot of vintage pinball. I've got eight okay. machines downstairs, uh, which is also a very <coughs> male dominated hobby. Okay. And it's frustrating for me because you, you log on to there. I don't want to like, <laughs> I, oh God, like there's one game I have called Halloween. And there's a shot you can do in it where you see the, the girl's boobs from 1978. It's right. Like, look, you want to look at some boobs? I'm not going to judge you. I don't care. I'm post-sex work. But do we have to have 10 pages about how horny you are? I right. I don't want to know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I'll just say this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, men are pigs usually. You know, that's a pretty fair <laughs> statement. Said it. Yeah. Said it. And I think most guys would agree with that, you know, for the most part. Yeah. That That's an absolute, you know, I think fair statement um i'll say for um pinball uh 
there's this place over here that um, it's like a think of it. And they probably have, they have them all over now. They're like arcades, right? Like a modern day yeah. arcade. And they have um, some of them have like some of the older pinball machines. And it, it's very interesting that I and I'm not uh, into pinball hardcore at all. So I want to let you know that. But I seem to gravitate towards the classic machines rather than yeah. the fancy LED um, you know, screens now. And I found that really weird because I am, you know, I'm on a computer just for my job and for gaming. I'm on a computer a lot. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm not, you know, just this old person that cannot appreciate technology, but with pinball, I don't know. There's something about hitting the targets to feeling it. Like, I don't, I don't want a screen, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's, well, first of all, you're not wrong. Like, it's interesting that older pinball games do better on location mm. than new pinball games because people have memories wrapped up in that. To me, what I find compelling about pinball is it's such a, it's the, the same reason I love to work on my classic Porsches, right? Mm. Uh, that it's something physical and visceral because so much of my life and my career is online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just using a different part of your brain. But, right. Um, you know, that's, there it is. Um, I, before I bounce, I've got to ask you, were you playing when Lord British got assassinated? Because Gosh. that was a big day. <laughs> no, I wasn't. And I'm going to tell you, I, well, I've asked, I've asked Gary, you know, he's of course said he doesn't know. I asked, have they ever tracked down who reigns is or was like, who was that person who did it? And to this day, uh, no one has, you know, come full. I don't even know if the person's still al alive. I have no idea. Um, that's always been a question that's that probably will haunt me for a long time. Like, surely by now, <laughs> they would come out. I don't right. Know. Uh, well, who's the person that killed Lord British? I, I'm 100% with you there. Yeah. So, um, just before I jump off, I just want to say this is such a pleasure. I, yeah. I have had so many happy memories of this game um, uh, lit up, and I tell you, maybe I will uh, install this on my um, on my uh, modern PC, and yeah. then I'll hit you up on Discord, and you can uh, walk me through it. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. And and most people that come on here almost feel therapeutic because they talk about UO, and it's just <laughs> well, it's just a happy thing, you know. Like it just brings back so many fond memories that a lot of people forget. Um, but uh, sincerely, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. 100%. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. <clears throat>